Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and tonight we are back once again talking about, well, my love, my hate, and my downright disapproval of professional wrestling. What I mean by disapproval is not everything is great in the world of professional wrestling, but sometimes there are a glimmer of hopes, and right now we are definitely in a glimmer of hope. There's been a lot of new things happening in both companies, the major ones anyway, the WWE and AEW, and a lot of good things on the horizon for companies such as uh, Impact Pro Wrestling, MLW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and many, many others. Tonight, we'll be once again speaking about NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, and NWA Power makes its return. We will also have our normal set of quick hits. And we will be talking about the highlight reel of both Raw and SmackDown. A little spoiler alert, SmackDown did not have that many highlights. But I'll get into that when we get to it. Um, I hope you guys are all having a great uh, day, evening. I hope you had a wonderful weekend as summer is officially rolling away from us. So what I want you to do is pop open your favorite frosty beverage, strap in, and buckle up. Because we are going to about to get into some quick hits. And tonight we start off with our first quick hit. And that's Jeff Jarrett getting let go from the WWE as the vice president in charge of live events. Now, anybody who is anybody knows that Chris, that Jeff Jarrett has been on and off again affiliated with the WWE for the last few years. He made his return at the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago. He was just a special guest referee at SummerSlam of a few weeks back. And Jeff, like I said, he's got a love-hate relationship with the WWE dating back to the 90s and the Attitude Era. Jeff finally being let go, in my opinion, is Triple H's way of letting go of the old guard. What I mean by that is we just saw John Laurinaitis get fired a couple of weeks back. We've seen other company men be let go. And this is really, in my opinion, Triple H's way of saying, this is my company now, Vince. All your guys are gone. It wouldn't surprise me if a Kevin Dunn or even a Bruce Pritchard were set out on their ass uh, sometime in the future. Although I think Bruce, being a company man, who is also a yes man and can get along with just about anybody, he might uh, be a little more expendable, uh, not as expendable as a Kevin Dunn who never got along with Triple H. Now, a little more into this quick hit. Just a day later after Jeff Jarrett was let go, the road dog, Jesse James, was hired back to the WWE by Triple H and was given the job of vice president in charge of live events. Now, if that isn't some comedic retribution, I mean, if you remember back in the Attitude Era, Double J Jeff Jarrett sang with my baby tonight when he was let go by the WWE, they said that he didn't actually sing with my baby tonight and the real Double J Jesse James was going to be the one who now portrayed uh, the singer and Double J character. So it's almost like life imitating art in that, well, Jesse James is once again replaced Double J Jeff Jarrett. In any way, I'd like to uh, wish Jeff Jarrett the best on his in future endeavors. I'm sure he's going to go ahead to AEW or maybe even back to Impact Wrestling. I know that he's got some ties over there in Mexico and AAA. Might even end up in New Japan. Whatever the case, I'm sure good old Double J will land on his feet. Number two, the Good Brothers Impact contract set to expire this week. That's right. As of you listening to this, the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, may be done with Impact Wrestling. And they are the holders of the Impact World Tag Team Championships. Now, it would be wise of Impact to hold on to this talent because... Those two guys can get it done in the ring when they are a tag team. Carl Anderson, when he's in shape and motivated, can actually get a lot done in that ring. And Doc Gallows is one of the best best big men going today. Uh, what I'm hoping is, is that they either stick around in Impact or end up in AEW because the tag team division could use a team like the Good Brothers. And if they go to 
AEW, they could jump back and forth between Impact like they did before. But if they do end up back in WWE, and they could very well, they might get lost in the shuffle with so many new people coming back, uh, new people coming up, returns. I mean, all I could really see them doing is joining forces with AJ Styles again to form the club or the OG and um, going ahead and maybe battling Judgment Day with Finn Balor and then possibly even turning on AJ and joining the Judgment Day. That would be a great storyline. I mean, I just wrote it for them. But uh, in any indication, the Good Brothers could very well just stay on as free agents and stay with Impact when they can. Go to AEW, go back and forth to Japan. I, for one, would love to see them have a proper feud with the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, but I guess we have to wait and see what happens in the coming weeks and with their contracts expiring. And the final quick hit of the evening, Gigi Dolan injured in her debut to the main roster. And that means that Toxic Attraction is now out of the women's tag team title tournament. A second chance uh, fatal four-way was announced with the teams that have already been eliminated, such as Shotzi Blackheart and uh, her tag team partner, um, that new Japanese girl from NXT. I can't hurt, really remember her name at this moment. Uh, and Natalia, along with Sonya Deville, uh, Dewdrop, and Nikki A.S.H., they're all going to get another chance. I really hate that this happened to Gigi. She was a deserving uh, woman to be coming to the main roster, as was J.C. Jane. They have worked under Mandy Rose in NXT. Gigi has tremendous experience. Say what you will about her and her past life as Priscilla Kelly and all the craziness that she did while she was on the indie scene. Hey, when you're on the indie scene, you got to do stuff to get noticed. But she's been fantastic since she joined the WWE roster and has been on NXT, a two-time NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. And I think that her and J.C. could have won the whole damn thing. I hope that this injury is only minor and that she'll be back sooner rather than later. And I do hope that they will keep them on the main roster uh, and not, you know, make them forfeit this chance because, well, you got injured when we called you up, so we got to push you back down, kid. I just hope that, you know, this is a sign of actual great talent once again coming to the main roster. NXT getting a new influx from the NXT UK stars coming in. Um, and... Here's a bonus quick hit uh, real quick. For those of you that don't know, NXT UK is closing down and a mass firing did happen. Releases were let down uh, to a lot of the talent that worked for NXT, NXT UK, such as Trent Seven. And the list goes on and on from everybody who was uh, on NXT UK. The reason this is happening, though, and please listen carefully, NXT Europe is about to actually start in the next few months. And Triple H wanted to give a fresh start by eliminating the roster of NXT UK. And then once they start up NXT Europe, they will begin rehiring those that they deem worthy of being on this roster, which will probably be everybody who did get fired because they let go of a lot of great talent. With NXT UK now out the door, though, that influx of talent has now come into NXT 2.0. And supposedly, NXT 2.0 will now be rebranded as NXT 3.0 with a whole new beginning. But we'll get into that in just a bit when we get into the NXT uh, show review. So, that is it for quick hits. No reason to hang on any longer. Let's go ahead and get into my new favorite part of the show. And that is the highlight reel. And just a reminder that the show here tonight, if you smell what the arch is cooking, is brought to you by the We Can't Wrestle podcast and WrestleNet Radio, where you can see and hear all of the great shows on our network. And ladies and gentlemen, moving into the highlight reel, we've got Monday Night Raw going first here, and it is five highlights to be exact for Monday Night Raw. We've had... Finn Balor taking on Dolph Ziggler, which was a fantastic back-and-forth 
one-upsmanship of a match. Uh, they got almost 20 minutes out there, and the fans were on their feet for it. Also, Kevin Owens versus Chad Gable. That's right, you heard me correctly. This was more of a wrestling match. Wrestler meets brawler with Kevin Owens and Chad Gable going back and forth again for 20 minutes and having a knockdown dragout fight. Uh, we then had uh, AJ Styles and Lashley taking on The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa. We once again saw Dexter Loomis in the crowd. And they're really making you wonder what they're doing with the whole Dexter Loomis character. Uh, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he there for AJ? Is he there for The Miz? We really don't know what's going on just yet. But the match itself was pretty damn well. Lashley looked amazing and ripped through Tommaso Ciampa with not one but two spears. AJ Styles and The Miz had amazing chemistry throughout the entire matchup. And Ciampa and Styles, what can you say about them? It's like they're running a, writing a symphony when they actually go out there and have a match together. Number four, Johnny Gargano's return. An unexpected surprise return for Gargano. Reports were coming out that he was in talks with both the WWE and AEW. Well, apparently Johnny Wrestling chose, and in my opinion, he chose correctly because he'd be lost in the shuffle over there in AEW. And with all the recent news and rumors going on with AEW, it's good to see Johnny home back in the WWE. The fans cheered baby wrestling for Johnny's new baby boy, who is nine months old. Uh, we also saw Austin Theory try to reconcile with Johnny, uh, middle of the ring, and bring back the way. Johnny wasn't having it because Austin put him down and was making fun of him. So Austin Theory got a super kick, and then Johnny Gargano did his best Shawn Michaels impersonation. But it's good to see Johnny back in the WWE. And finally, number five for the Raw highlight reel, Edge and Damian Priest in the main event. I mean, these two guys went to war. When the ref buff bumped happened, you absolutely expected some things to go down, and it's exactly what happened. Rhea Ripley got involved. Uh, Edge broke down the chair and choked out uh, Damian uh, Priest with that, you know, across the mouth leg of the chair. It looked brutal. And then we saw Beth Phoenix get involved. Edge got the win. I would have rather Damian gotten the win with some shenanigans, but I'm okay because the feud is going to continue. And with Beth now getting involved, that means we get Rhea Ripley versus Beth Phoenix, which in my opinion is a dream match more so than anything. On to the SmackDown side of the highlight reel, ladies and gentlemen. There was not a whole lot here, guys. No, two, count them, two highlights on all of SmackDown. We had Karrion Cross's promo. This guy is doing such a great job with these promos, but I want to see him back in the ring. I think that he needs a match on Raw or SmackDown so that we could remember how brutal this guy was in the ring and the way he just dis dissected his opponents. But the promos are still killer. That black and white filter that they do for him. Charlotte looking amazing. Excuse me, Scarlet looking amazing in the background. And the way that he's just delivering this pure hatred for both Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. On the other side of the coin, though, again, I'd like to see him back in the ring. I hope they do something with him soon. And it's not just a constant promo thing. You know, I hope that it's something that maybe he's not completely healed or you know, is a little bit on the injured side. They're giving him time to be 100%. Whatever the case, Carrying Cross is always a highlight of the show. And the in-ring promo between Sheamus and Walter. I will not call him anything else. He is not Gunter. He is Walter, the ring general. Um, it was fantastic. You had Sheamus laying down the law to uh, Walter. They went back and forth on the mic. Walter told Sheamus, you know, it doesn't matter who you think you are. The ring general is going to go through you at uh, Clash of the Castle. And then we saw Butch, Pete Dunne, beating the hell out of Kaiser. And Kaiser fighting back as well. So I'm assuming we're going to be getting a match between those two very soon. Um, it was just funny seeing Walter and Sheamus holding back these two baby bulldogs trying to get at one another. Other than that, it was a basic SmackDown. Even with the, the main uh, event segment of Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns and the bloodline beating the hell out of Drew again, we've seen this before. Um, it kind of felt like we were back in the Vince era a little bit with the two women's matches and, you know, the predictable booking of the women's match with Raquel Diaz or Gonzalez or whatever the hell they're calling her on the main roster now. And um, 
uh, Aaliyah going over Natalia and Sonia. I'm tired of the pushing of Natalia and Sonia, to be honest with you. They're both getting a bit dry and boring. Maybe they need to stay off TV for a couple months and re be revamped. I don't know. But like I said, SmackDown was not as good as Raw, in my opinion. Maybe that's just me. Let me know what you know, what you what you think uh, in a PM or uh, over on the Facebook page at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Let me know what exactly what you guys thought of WWE SmackDown. So with that being said, we get into our show reviews. And our first show tonight is NXT 2.0. And I want to invite everyone to come and watch and listen to the We Can't Wrestle podcast this week. We are once again doing trivia, the book of the box. I am the trivia champion, and I have laid out the challenge to Chad Austin, former ECW talent, former enhancement talent. Chad, the door is wide open. You want the crown. You want the belt. Come and get it because it's there. And we go into NXT 2.0. Nice re recap of NXT Heat Wave from last week. And we then go into the Performance Center and have NXT champion Braun Breaker heading to the ring. He pays his respects to J.D. McDowell and then about their match last week and then invites Tyler Bate to the ring. The NXT UK champion answers the challenge and goes face-to-face -face with Breaker. Bate pays his respect to Braun and says that with NXT UK being done, he wants to unify both NXT heavyweight titles. Breaker agrees and says in two weeks at World Collide, champion versus champion, title versus title, guys, I'm ready. This was a great opener for this week's show. Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate, in my opinion, is a fantastic matchup. You've got the big, brutish brawler taking on the uh, young, small, but badass technical wrestler i'm all for it and do you, you get the unify unification of those two belts i say go for it we get a vignette to hype the members of gallus and the team talks about their past and how dominant they've been they make their way out to the live audience and get ready for their opening match and it's going to be gallus taking on briggs and jensen for the nxt uk tag team titles i'm amazed that we got this match so quickly actually and this was a battle of the Bulls with all four of these guys teeing off on one another. Gallus took an early advantage and beat down Je uh, Jensen. But when Briggs got tagged in, he cleaned house. Lash Legend attacked Fallon. And when Briggs went to help her, pretty deadly attack. Uh, and Gallus got the win by countout in the eight-minute mark. This was a fun start. I wanted a little more out of these guys, though. Maybe a 10-15 minute match. And I don't understand the count out there. But I guess it's to keep everybody safe and see where we're going to go if we're unifying the tag titles as well at Worlds Collide. I guess I'm all for it. Post-match Diamond Mine came in and brawled with Gallus and all six men went to war. There are four teams and two sets of tag team titles involved in this feud right now. We might, might want to wonder what we might see at Worlds Collide. Grayson Waller is screaming at someone backstage, and I guarantee we're about to be annoyed as fuck, ladies and gentlemen. Chase U has a new trainer, and he's UK star Charlie Dempsey, the son of William Regal. Uh, he stretches the youngsters, and he has to be reminded it's only a training session. Dempsey almost brawled with Bodie, and then tells the class to Google Billy Robinson and learn a thing or two. The unification match has been made, and it'll be Braun Breaker and Tyler Bate at World Collide. And it's now time for the Grayson Waller Effect TV show. And this, uh, this ain't no Piper's Pit, ladies and gentlemen. His guest is Apollo Crews, and Apollo is all smiles and appreciative. Waller starts asking Apollo about being in NXT, and Crews shuts him down, saying that he's not there to take anybody's spot, but to reinvigorate himself. Waller pokes fun at Apollo not having his accent anymore. And this is actually a little funny, but uh, it's mainly because of Cruz. The Vision storyline comes up and Apollo tries to explain it, but Waller interrupts and then goes back and forth with Apollo on the mic. Apollo calls Grayson a low-budget Miz. I agree with that 100%. And the crowd ignites. Segment ends with Cruz knocking Waller out. And although it was a little bit long, still a good segment. Backstage, Gallus is being held back by security. Pretty deadly pop-up to throw digs. 
We go to a pre-tape promo from Tyler Bate and get a look at his history in NXT UK. I mean, this guy is a two-time NXT UK champion, tag team champion, all-around incredible athlete. I, I'm I'm all for him being in NXT 2.0, 3.0, call it what you will. I'm very happy Tyler Bate is here. McKenzie interviews Robert Stone and Von Wagner. Stone goes off about Tyler Bate, and Wagner says he plans on crushing Bate tonight and making sure that he doesn't make it to Worlds Collide. Well, that's interesting. That should be a pretty good matchup there. Newcomer Burnell is about to make his debut against Cameron Grimes, and we've got Joe Gacy watching uh, from afar. Good back-and-forth battle with Grimes taking the early lead and never looking back. Grimes hit his finisher and got the win in four minutes. Not such a great debut for Burnell, but good to see Grimes win again. Blair Davenport gets a vignette, and the NXT Universe is getting their history lesson tonight about NXT UK. I like it, and I think it's making the show better because we've got all this influx of talent. We should at least know who they are and what they've done. Indy Hartwell now takes on Blair Davenport in a very good, albeit short, women's match. Indy used her technical ability, but Davenport fought back. One mess up by Hartwell, and Blair caught her with a high-striking knee. One finisher later, and Davenport got the win in five minutes. Then post-match, Blair called herself the best of NXT UK and said she's the number one contender to the NXT women's title. This prompted Mandy Rose to come out and say that Davenport was now in her world and that she needs to follow Mandy's lead. This brought out the debuting Miko Satamora, the NXT women's champion. Miko calls out Mandy for Worlds Collide and wants to unify the women's titles. I'm all for that, by the way. Blair interrupts and says she's the number one contender. So Miko says, well, let's make it a triple threat. <laughs> let's go, ladies and gentlemen. Blair Davenport, Miko Satomura, and Mandy Rose. That is a hell of a triple threat when you consider how much Mandy Rose has done for her career in NXT. And I can't wait to see it. This next two weeks is going to go by pretty slowly until we get to that actual show. Mackenzie is with Tiffany Stratton, and Tiffany says it doesn't matter who wins the NXT Women's Championship at When Worlds Collide because she's the next challenger after she beats Wendy Chu. Tony Dre addresses Legato and tells them to forget about the past and think about the future and the family. We then go to J.D. McDowell and his ominous message. He's also hanging upside down and looks crazy. I, I like it, but <laughs> Wesley is now with Carter and Caden doing his best to give them advice. The ladies let Lee know that they'll be taking on any challengers anytime, but will it be good? I mean, they had one good match when they won the titles. What I, I don't imagine it always being good between these two. Back in the arena, and we have Indy Hartwell pouring her heart out to the fans. She looks disjointed and upset, but a familiar face shows up. Dexter Loomis is back in NXT, and Indy couldn't be happier. This was a feel-good segment, and I forgot how much I was involved in the Index storyline. We follow him backstage where Loomis gets arrested, and this leaves me asking, what the fuck did Loomis do while he was out of the WWE that every time he shows up on a show, he immediately gets arrested? Kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Mackenzie is with Cora Jade, and Cora isn't happy about all the criticism. She said she's had enough and doesn't care what everyone thinks. I'm liking the generation of Jade attitude, but I think they could be doing more with the character. She's won like one match in her last five. Legato del Fantasma then takes on the Dyad. Another short match here, but it's been on an action-packed show. I can't really complain. Uh, Wild and Mendoza were using their quick quickness, but it wasn't enough. Dyad caught Wild off guard and hit their finisher quick and picked up the win in five minutes. Cameron Grimes watched on, and Joe Gacy was very happy. Brunel is shown backstage and picking on a woman when a security guard walks in and tells Brunel... Uh, off and calls him a prick. Is this the new feud or storyline for this youngster, Javier Burnell? Just being called a prick constantly? Eh, guess it's worse. It could be worse, right? Legato is leaving the arena and kind of bitching about what went down tonight. And then a black SUV pulls up and it's revealed to be Santos Escobar. He tells them he would never leave them behind and they all drive off together. Main roster debut for Legato Fantasma. I'd be okay with that. Tyler Bate then took on Von Wagner. This match helped show off just how big and powerful Von Wagner is. He beat Bate from pillar to post and just kept on going. 
Wagner went for a huge fireman's carry slam, but Bate reversed it and took control. Tyler used some quickness and had Wagner guessing. Tyler Bate would hit his finisher and get the win at the eight-minute mark. Very good matchup here. Highlighted both men very well. Von Wagner needs to start picking up wins, but not at the cost of Taylor Bate, in my opinion. Bate needs to keep winning up until he gets to Braun Breaker, and then we could see who the unified NXT champion is going to be. Backstage, the Creed's talking about their six-man tag with Gallus next week, and Roderick Strong approaches. He tries to get his team pumped up, but the Creed's want no part of it, and then they are approached by Briggs and Jensen. They exchange respect, but Strong makes matters worse, and the Creed's promise to take care of the NXT UK Tag Team Champions when they are done with Gallus next week. Stratton and Cho are the main event, and this is a lights-out match, and really is because they're fighting in the damn dark, ladies and gentlemen. It's a hardcore match, and these two women use everything from chairs to trash cans and kendo sticks on one another. Cho gets a pillowcase and reveals Legos. That's right, Legos, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the crowd goes mild. Wendy gets slammed into them but Stratton, uh, by Stratton, and that definitely hurts. I mean, I've stepped on a Lego before. I know how bad that hurts. Tiffany missed a big move, and Wendy laid her out on the bed at ringside, like putting her through a table. Cho hit her finisher from the top and gets the win in 15 minutes. It was crazy but entertaining, I have to say. It was it was kind of funny. Uh, and then backstage, we see Blair Davenport, Mandy Rose, and Miko Sadamora sign their contract, and Breaker and Bates sign theirs. Those unification matches are now made for Worlds Collide. Like I said earlier, it was an action-packed episode. I'm giving this week's episode a four out of five. Some of the matches could have gone a little longer, but that was my only problem. Everything else was perfect, and really, I really enjoyed NXT 2.0 this week. It, it, it was a lot of knowledge to take in about the NXT UK stars, if you didn't know about them already, and allowed us to see some you know, new beginnings for uh, this brand that was kind of written off by Vince McMahon. So... With that being said, let's go into our next show review. It's Dynamite. Don't forget to check out Reliving the Extreme with uh, Nate, Aaron, and Chad, as well as Mark's Indie Spotlight, A Slice of Time, and The Year That Was, right here on WrestleNet Radio. And we now go into AEW Dynamite. This week's episode opens with Chris Jericho making his way to the ring for his face-to-face -face with Daniel Garcia. Jericho runs down what happened last week and tells Garcia just to apologize and things can go back to normal. Garcia pleads his case to hanging with, for 30 minutes with Brian Danielson and having a career-making moment. He tells Jericho he ruined his moment and isn't happy. Chris, Chris wants Garcia to say he's a sports entertainer, but... Brian Danielson makes his way out and interrupts. Danielson tells Garcia he's proud of what they accomplished and told him he's a wrestler. Jericho tried to interject, but Garcia cuts him off and pushed Chris down before walking out on both men. Jericho and Danielson exchange pleasantries and eventually make one on, a one-on-one -on -one match for all out. I can't wait to see that. The GOATs battling it out one-on-one -on -one in the ring. Jake Hager came out from out of nowhere and attacked Danielson. Happy for Garcia for standing up for himself and ecstatic for the Jericho-Danielson match. Good opening segment here. We then go to the ring for Lethal versus Dax Hardwood. Great opener here as a technically sound of a match as you can have. Dax took the early upper hand, but Lethal used his quickness and had Hardwood second-guessing himself. Jay went for the Lethal Injection, but Dax reversed it and took the fight back to his opponent. Dax tried a German suplex, but we saw a reversal for a reversal into a roll-up. Lethal pulled the tights and got the win in 13 minutes. Great, great opener. Post-match, Sanjay Dutt lets FTR know that Jay Lethal will have some special partners at All Out, and those partners will be the Motor City Machine Guns. What a trios match that'll be. The Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal taking on FTR and Wardlow. Take my money. Take it right now out of my pocket. Tony Schiavone is with Thunder Rosa, and it is announced that the women's champion is injured and an interim champion will be crowned at All Out. I'm really not liking the interim champion idea, and I know it works for UFC, but this isn't UFC, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need all the interim BS. When a champion loses, they need to vacate the title and crown a new champion, and then that person comes back and works their way back up on the ladder in order to get a title shot because they've been gone for so long. But 
We shall see. Colton Gunn then took on his father, Billy Gunn, and Billy beat the hell out of his son and showed no mercy. Colton couldn't get a move off, and Daddy Ash just continued his onslaught. Stokely clocked Max Caster with a boombox, and it caused a distraction. Colton hit a low blow and beat Billy in six minutes. Decent match, but nothing special. Post-match, Stokely recruits the gun club to his crew. I believe he has like 10 people under his belt now already, and they go back to beating up their father. Uh, but Keith Lee and Shane Strickland hit the ring. Mutual respect is paid by Lee Strickland and, and um, Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. I don't know where we're going here yet, but I have a feeling we're about to find out. Tony is now with uh, Will Ospreay and his crew and the Death Triangle. Ospreay guaranteed victory by any means, but Pop cuts him off and says he's been waiting a long time for this and won't be denied a win over Will Ospreay tonight. Britt Baker took on Killin King. Good quick start to this one with King getting in some early offense. Didn't last long, though, and Baker took the advantage and never looked back. She locked in the lockjaw and got the win at the four-minute mark. Quick but good because they're allowing King to show off in the women's division, and Britt Baker, well, in my opinion, is the face of the NXT women's division. So, you know, don't go by me. Post-match, Britt cuts a promo and says when she was champion, she wrestled injured, and Thunder Rosa can't hang. She says that Tony Storm is still left, and this brings out Tony. Jamie Hayter attacks and takes Storm down, but Sheeta comes to Storm, uh, comes to Storm's aid, and these are the four women who will be battling for the interim women's championship at All Out. You got Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, and Akira Sheeta. Uh, those are two former women's champions, as well as two up-and-coming talents that, in my opinion, should make for a good four-way even though i don't like the whole interim champion idea tony is now with keith lee shane strickland and uh, the acclaimed shane says they love the acclaimed and want to offer them a shot at the tag titles max and bowen say that they don't have to offer them anything they've earned it and it will be tag team champions at all out uh well the pay-per-view is going to be huge with all these new matches that's for sure but gotta be honest everything's being made quickly and I'm not that impressed with the way they're booking things. We will get into that later, though. We then go to our unification match. It's the interim AEW champion John Moxley taking on interim uh, taking on world heavyweight champion CM Punk. Excuse me. Both men started out just throwing right rights and lefts uh, hands back and forth at each other. Punk hit a big kick to the head and then went down in a heap in pain. Uh, I guess he re-injured his leg, even though he did not kick him with that leg. I'm not sure. Moxley wailed down on Punk with hard elbows and then hit two double-armed DDTs and went, wait, it's over? Five minutes into this match, and Johns Moxley is the undisputed AEW champion. Did Punk get injured, or is something else going on here? Jesus, I'm left pissed off and confused. What the hell is going on? Tony is with Christian backstage and asks about Jungle Boy and his challenge for All Out. Christian says he was just showing Jungle Boy tough love, but he will never be as smart as Christian. He accepts the match and says he will see the definition of average when he exposes Jungle Boy at the pay-per-view. I'm, I'm still not over what just happened in that unification match. What's going on in AEW? Ricky Starks comes out and cuts a promo about the recent events with the factory and powerhouse Hobbs. He says he can't believe Hobbs turned on him because of the friendship that they held. Ricky says Hobbs targeted his surgically repaired neck and that he knows how bad Ricky worked and how strong he wanted to come back from that injury. Ricky lays out a challenge for All Out, and I've been waiting to see these two hook it up since the last three weeks. So got to wait a couple more weeks, but it should be a hell of a matchup. Mox is backstage and bragging. He says he's sorry if that's not the way the match was supposed to go. Uh, there's nobody better than John Moxley, and he's not just some guy. He's the guy. Stealing promos from Roman Reigns, Mox. Uh, he's tired of asking when it is it his time. It's his time now. Well, I guess at least he wasn't bleeding, so that's a plus. Uh, we get a recap of Kenny Omega's return from last week. And the trios match before going to our main event. And it's Death Triangle taking on Will Ospreay and the United Empire. 
The opening of this match was pure poetry as Phoenix and Osprey went move for move with their high-flying abilities. All six men then shared the ring. We saw the United Empire use their size to take Pac and Penta down. The bastard Pac fought back and hit a huge plancha to the outside, but got distracted and then beat down by Kip Sabian, of all people. Kip is back in AEW, I guess. Uh, the distraction allowed Osprey to hit his finisher and get the win for his team in 28 minutes. Incredible main event. All six men did a fantastic job. A lot of great double team moves. Uh, I was impressed with it. Post-match, the Elite made their way out, and a tease was made for the Elite versus the United Empire to send the show off the air. Uh, I think Dynamite was good, but that Punk's, Punk and Mox match almost ruined it. I'm giving AEW a 3.5 out of 5, which is still passing, but the interim champion BS now with Thunder Rosa after what we just saw what happened with Punk. Uh, what could have been a great main event and pay-per-view match got ruined either by injury or backstage politics between Punk and John Moxley. Um, a couple of quick matches that could have got a little more time if, you know, whatever happened with Punk and Mox happened, it, it's, I'm, I'm left with a headache. I don't understand it, but 3.5 out of 5 is my score for AEW Dynamite. And now we go to some good old-fashioned wrestling as we go to our NWA Power Review. And don't forget to check out the Asylum and the Asylum Wrestling Store for all of your autograph needs, as well as their virtual meet and greets. They just came off an incredible show with WrestleBash just a couple of weeks ago here in New Jersey. So make sure you check out the Asylum. Their admin, David Gold, Nick Francis, Rocky Turner, Mike Zecca, myself, John McGetjewski, and a list of others. Don't miss out, guys. And with that being said, NWA Power starts this week's show by going straight to the in-ring action. You know, that's my favorite way to do it. We've got Chris Adonis taking on Caprice Coleman. Good back-and-forth matchup with a lot of old-school vibe. Coleman tried to shoot on Adonis, but he was denied the single-leg takedown and was brought down instead. We saw a nice bear hug reversal with a double ear clap by Coleman, and this almost led to a win, but Adonis made a comeback. Coleman missed his finisher, and this allowed Adonis to put in the master lock and get the win via referee stoppage at the six-minute mark. Very enjoyable opener here. Kyle Davis interviewed Camille Brickhouse along with Killen King and uh, Tom Lattimore. Brickhouse says she will walk out of both nights of NXT 74 and still the women's champion. Her words, not mine. No one can take her grasp of the Burke off. Uh, and I, I have to agree with that. She has a death clutch on that belt right now, ladies and gentlemen. And if Taya Valkyrie can't do it, then I can't imagine that a woman who had to outlast 20 other women in a battle royal is going to be able to do it either. No one uh, uh, that we then speak to Tom Lattimore, who again agrees victory uh, for himself at NWA 74. Here's the problem, though. I'm left wondering, who is Tom fighting? Because they have not announced his match yet. Kyle is then ready to interview Matt Cardona and the family. Uh, Mike Knox promises to put Bully Ray through a table, and Matt Cardona says he never lost the NWA title. He wasn't pinned or made to submit. He will get back what is his. God, I hope not. You guys know if you've listened to this show for 64 other episodes, I can't stand Matt Cardona, and I really hope he does not win back the NWA title anytime soon. Trevor Murdoch cuts a quick promo and uh, promises to bring hell with him to NWA 74. I'm coming and I'm bringing hell with me. Kayla Cassidy then takes on Genocide. This was not a great but not terrible matchup. Uh, Kayla wanted to trash talk the fans instead of actually wrestling. Uh, and Genocide made short work of her with a shoulder tackle, big boot, and then a Michinoku driver. Picked up the win four minutes. Still decent though. Genocide is actually very, very, very good in the ring. The Dirty Sexy Boys then took on Hawks and Ari and Titus and Aguilera in a triple threat match. This was an all-out war between three teams put together on the fly over the last couple of weeks, but they're working out, actually. Dango and JTG have good chemistry, and it showed here with their double teaming. 
Hawks continues to grow in the NWA, and I think teaming with Ari is helping. Red Titus has the most experience out of everybody, but his partner, Aguilera, is relatively new to me. All six guys had some great spots. Uh, Hawks and Ari hit a double-team power slam and got the win at the eight-minute mark. Should have got a little more time, or like 12 minutes, but I'm not being picky. Still a good matchup. Pretty Empowered, the uh, NWA Women's Tag Team Champions, then took on Shadows and Jaleel. Uh, this was almost a warm-up match for uh, Pretty Empowered for their NWA uh, 74 title defense. Paige and Ellis showed off their skills and completely overpowered their opponents. A double-team superkick got them to win in the four-minute mark. Pretty Empowered are definitely a great tag team. And then post-match, we saw the Hex, Allison Kay and uh, Marty Bell, attack Pretty Empowered uh, and leave their opponents laying in the ring. Velvet Sky was very boisterous about this and was not very happy about what went down. So it kind of leaves you wondering, has the Hex now turned heel? Were they ever actually faces? Are the uh, team of Pretty Empowered actually the faces in all this? I'm not quite sure. And then we go to our main event. And it's David Hart Smith and Doug Williams, the NWA World Tag Team title champions, uh, taking on Freeman and Pierce. Our main event was a good one and, again, had an 80s feel to it. Smith showed off his power and speed uh, as he took down Freeman every chance he got. Williams got tagged in and showed what a thinking man wrestler is supposed to look like. He had Pierce running in circles and flat out looking bad. The Spectaculars, as they are known, Freeman and Pierce finally fought back and had Williams in trouble, but he started to gain a little momentum and made the hot tag to David Hart Smith. The son of the Bulldog took full control and could have had the match won, but he waited, tagged back in his partner, and he and Williams hit a double-team finisher to get the win in 10 minutes. Excellent main event here. I have to say the NWA hats off to you. Post-match, the teams in the United States Tag Team Battle Royal hit the ring, and a brawl ensued. Show went off the air with everyone fighting around the NWA studio. Another solid episode of NWA Power on the road to NWA 74. That is actually taking place Saturday and Sunday, so you will hear this episode after that show has aired. And a little show advisory next week will be all about the NWA. I will speak about NWA 74, both nights one and two, and then speak about NWA Power next week. So we will not have Dynamite or AEW on the show next week. I want to have a full-out NWA show, give them some respect, and show them, uh, you know, show you guys exactly what went down at the pay-per-view next week. Um, so, as I said, another solid episode of On the Road uh, to NWA 74. I'm giving this show a four out of five, and that's only because I would have liked a little more time for some of the matches, and I felt like the show was missing a little more push for the up-and-coming anniversary pay-per-view in that I would like to have heard from Nick Aldis as well as uh, Tyrus, uh, you know, maybe an Austin Idol, guys pushing me the show a little more. But still a decent show, really good in my opinion. I shouldn't say decent, actually. It was a really good show. I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. And with that being said, we now have one more segment here, ladies and gentlemen. You know what time it is. You know what really grinds my gears? Nobody's come up with a new priest. It's time for Grinds My Gears. And I call this Nate Maxson's favorite segment on the show because, well, he's told me that personally. <laughs> so, with Grinds My Gears this year, this week, I'm speaking about the continued problems with AEW and the way that they are handling it. Now, before we get into anything, I'm going to go ahead and light my cigarette. And allow me to say that I am an AEW fan. You guys have listened to this show. And as I said, for 64 episodes, if you've been listening, even if you only started listening 10 episodes ago, I am an AEW fan. I gush about AEW. I pretty much stand behind everything that they do. But over the last couple of months, there have been continued stories coming out of the way Tony Khan presents himself and holds himself in front of talent, the way that he talks or doesn't even talk to talent. Apparently, before Dynamite this week, he called a 
mandatory meeting amongst talent to talk about his new um, his new structure for a way to speak to agents and, and road people uh, or himself uh, so that the talent can understand what the chain of command was. Apparently, Kenny Omega jumped up and figuratively he began barking at the uh, AEW roster trying to get them motivated but some people's feelings got hurt and the young bucks said that their doors are always open as did Chris Jericho that if the talent ever needs them they will be glad to be the middleman between themselves and Tony Khan and then you've got the interim bullshit with CM Punk the new interim bullshit with Thunder Rosa when a champion is injured, they have to vacate the title. For all we know, CM Punk was brought back way too early and legitimately did injure his foot during his matchup with Moxley just now. But also, for all we know, CM Punk just didn't want to come back because he was told that he had to lose to John Moxley. And so he came back, went off script about Adam Page, did so so he could piss people off. He knew he had to lose the title anyway, told him, do a microwave match and I'll go back and heal the rest of my foot and maybe I'll be back in time. Constant reports that Punk and Page, Colt Cabana, other wrestlers backstage are having issues. Issues with Thunder Rosa with the entire women's roster and her having to hide in the bat women's bathroom after accidentally breaking Jamie Hayter's nose. Now there's reports that Sammy Guevara and Eddie Kingston got into a backstage fallout because of things that Sammy Guevara said in a promo that never even aired on television because they had to edit it out. And then what do they do? Over the last two days, more and more wrestlers are going online to explain themselves and tell people about the real situation. In my opinion, when a wrestler has to go online and either apologize or explain their situation, it's bullshit. It's basically damage control. You're looking for sympathy and you're hoping people won't believe the real story. In my opinion, Dunderosa may be actually injured, but she's probably not going to be out longer than a couple of weeks, and she didn't want to drop the title back to Britt Baker. CM Punk is probably still slightly injured, but was strong enough to come back if he thought he was beating John Moxley. And when he found out that he wasn't, he decided to feign injury. He kicked with his right leg, but yet his left leg is the one that was injured, his left foot. This is bullshit. Tony Khan has made AEW very toxic. Tony Khan has allowed the AEW wrestlers to think that they're untouchable and that they should be allowed to do what they want. And if anybody says anything to them, they should pout and feel upset, talk about their feelings, and then go online and bitch about it. Or you do damage control. Tony Khan has tried to be the alternative to the WWE. But allow me to tell you something, Tony, and I know you don't listen, and that's fine and well. One day you might. Maybe someone will steer you to this podcast. That's fine and well. But, Tony Khan, if you want to beat your competition, you don't mention them till you're actually beating them. Ask Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff didn't actually start beating the WWE until many, many weeks into the Monday Night War. And then he started mentioning them once they overtook them, and it worked for him. But then, when he got too egotistical, and he had Tony Schiavone mention Mankind winning the World Heavyweight title, people changed the channel. You've got John Moxley cutting promos saying, and the other guys... If you watch on the crap that's on Monday and on Friday, and if you watch the bullshit on Tuesday, tell your friends that they've got the best wrestling on on Wednesday. Well, John, when you've got a five-minute microwave match for your undisputed world heavyweight title, that's not exactly the best wrestling show. They need to stop mentioning WWE. 
They need to stop allowing their wrestlers to bitch and moan on social media or do damage control to put out fires on social media and tell them to stay in goddamn character. You understand? It's getting ridiculous that every week there's infighting problems and the same bitching and moaning. And then all we do is have Sammy Guevara go, you know, I know I was unprofessional, but Eddie didn't tell me what I could and couldn't say. And I figured if I mentioned him being fat, it would be funny because that's what people say about him. But I totally understand him getting upset, so I apologize. What kind of bullshit is that? You're one of the most hated guys in the company, and that's really the way you want to come off to people? That is the one shining moment about Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho actually stays in damn character. And when he does say something about the WWE, it's coming from a place of, well, I've been there and I've done that. John Moxley left the WWE, whether they were on great terms or bad terms or not, is still bitching about them. You know what other company used to do that? TNA. Guess what happened to them? They had to rebrand themselves as Impact Wrestling. Do we really need to, re to rebrand AEW as something different in about 10 years' time? Because I personally don't think so. You guys were doing much better six months ago. Everyone was firing on all cylinders. You had a great wrestling product, and all you needed was to steer the fans to you. And guess what you did? You flushed it down the toilet. Let's hope somebody's got a big enough plunger to suck that thing back up and maybe get some of the credibility back and actually make this shit show into something. Or at least I hope so. So with that being said, I'm done. And again, I will be back next week with another episode, episode 66. And I will be talking about all things NWA. I will talk about NWA 74, both nights one and two, and NWA Power coming up next week. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I want to thank you guys for your continued support of WrestleNet Radio and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. As I said, join all the shows, listen to them, tune in and tell your friends. And make sure that you join us for a very special edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast for the Book of the Box Trivia Challenge, where I will be defending my title against Aaron Maxson, Mark Brew, and former wrestler Chad Austin. Thank you for joining me. Have a great night, and I'll see you next time on If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking.